You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Sheila Aching. I'm a Rheumatology Clinical Research Fellow based in Manchester University. Today, I've got with me Samantha Haider and Sarah Muller, who are here to speak about a recently published paper, Long-Term Use of Glucocorticoids in the Management of Polymyalgia Rheumatica. And Sam, you'd like to say something about yourself? Sure. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Samantha Hyder. I'm a professor of rheumatology at Keele University and a consultant rheumatologist at Midlands Partnership Foundation Trust. Thank you, Sam and Sarah. Yeah, I'm Sarah Muller. I'm a senior lecturer in medical statistics and epidemiology at Keele University in Staffordshire. Thank you, Sarah. I'd like to ask, first and foremost, what led you to do this research? So as a rheumatologist, when I'm seeing people with PMR, a common question patients ask me is, will this go away? And how long will I need to take steroids for? And so this research paper is part of a larger study that has been set up at Keele, looking at people who were diagnosed with PMR within primary care, working with GPs, methodologists and people with PMR. Thank you very much for that, Sam. With regards to the study that you've carried out, what sort of interesting findings came out um, from this? So we conducted a cohort study based on the questionnaires that we sent to people over time. So they had eight questionnaires from the time they were diagnosed by their GP until five years later. And we found that at five years after their diagnosis, 40% of people reported that they were still taking prednisolone for their PMR. And we were hoping that we would be able to say who the people that continued to need treatment for that length of time were. And we did manage to see that they were slightly older and they were more likely to live alone. And even if they had that sort of classical symptom trajectory of their pain and stiffness improving very quickly after diagnosis and then staying quite low, 25% of them were still on treatment after five years. And so we weren't really able to pick out clearly who was more likely to continue with treatment and who who might have stopped. Was that a surprising finding for you? I think not so much surprising that so many people were still taking prednisolone. I think we were hoping, but we didn't know whether we'd be able to predict who was still on treatment and who'd stopped. I think it's possibly a little concerning we can't predict because if we don't know, then we can't do a lot about it. Absolutely. When you carried out this study, did you come across any sort of challenges? Yeah, we had some challenges in setting up the study because this is a relatively rare condition in primary care that we're talking about. And so we had almost 300 practices recruiting for us. And so just logistically, it was really difficult to do. And then we were trying to include medical record review as part of the study, um, which was really, really difficult to do because the practices then needed to, to do that themselves and send it to us. And we didn't manage to get all the data we would have liked in that respect. So we're relying on self-reported prednisolone use for the analysis. And um, would you like to add on anything else about the paper, Sam, to do with the results or any interesting findings that you would like to touch on? I mean, I guess this is part of a larger programme of work. And so within other work that we've published from the cohort, we've also looked at things like prescribing for multimorbidity. And these results back up findings that other people have published in terms of a a meta-analysis about how long people stay on steroids. So it's useful from that point of view for clinical practice. Thank you, Sam. And so just you've touched about some of the implications of your study for clinical practice. I think one of the interesting observations I made from reading your um, results were how you mentioned that about 
40% of people were still using steroids five years post-diagnosis. And obviously, we're trying to get more patients into um, secondary care to have uh, prompt treatment with steroid sparing agents like disease modifying treatments when they need it, because you know that the steroid burden is very sort of, you know, huge for these patients, especially with that particular age group. So what do you think we could do to try and improve this sort of early referral to um, secondary care from the primary care teams? Well, of course, that's a particular challenge for the clinicians at the moment. If we look at things like the GERFT report, which actually talks about managing more PMR in primary care, not in secondary care. And so that's one of the challenges of our paper, really, is that if we were able to identify which people were most likely to have protracted treatment, then clearly it would be easy to adapt guidelines to suggest that these are the type of type of people who should be referred. We couldn't do that in terms of clinical symptoms from the cohort or indeed people's initial response to treatment. And I know that it's one of the sort of popular myths that the better people respond to steroids, the more likely they are to do well in the longer term, whereas our, our results don't bear that out. And I think this is important for clinical practice for, for a number of reasons. It may be that there are other markers that we may need to use to stratify patients. So are there going to be novel biomarkers that could be used? Is imaging useful for um, stratification? And, and those are things that obviously need uh, more research to be done. But I think importantly for clinical practice, as clinicians, we need to help patients have more realistic expectations around treatment duration. So if you look at much of the patient facing material, it suggests that most people will be off steroids after two years, whereas our results and results um, from others suggest that that's not the case. Um, so I think that's important, both from a patient expectation point of view, but also from addressing future multimorbidity risks and addressing osteoporosis risk um, and mental health, because other work that we've published from the cohort suggests that things like steroid side effects are not being optimally managed. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that detailed answer, Sam. So to close off the podcast today, are there any next steps you have for any future research? I noticed that you've produced a few other papers from, from this study. Is there any plans to do anything else uh, in line with this? There are several other papers published from the cohort looking at things like symptom trajectories over time, looking at prescribing for osteoporosis. And whilst we don't have plans to follow the cohort up, this is part of a larger programme of work looking at other treatments of PMR in more detail using things like electronic health records. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Samantha and Sarah, for your time um, with the podcast today. To our listeners, you can access this paper from our Rheumatology Advances in Practice, which is um, open access thanks thank you thank you thank you for listening to talking rheumatology research brought to you by bsr please do rate share and subscribe through your favorite podcast app